0: Hello and welcome, you're listening to the Voices from the Pews podcast, the show that invites you to conversations with Catholics of color and those from communities of non-European origin so that we can get to know more about each other's faith experiences and stories. I'm your host, Lorna DeRose. There are two quotes that come to mind when I think about today's guest's fervor. Go forth and set the world on fire, said by St. Ignatius of Loyola, and St. Catherine of Siena's quote, be who God meant you to be, and you will set the world on fire. One of the first times I met Susan Ho, her husband and daughter, was while chatting with people before the start of an informational meeting for World Youth Day that would prepare young Catholics from Boston to meet other young Catholics from around the globe in Poland. The birthplace of Karol Wojtyla, St. John Paul II. A daughter of the Most High King, a devoted wife, a mom, business owner student who is very active in the life of her parish the community and is very passionate about wanting to help others but equally passionate about or perhaps even more so about her love for christ and her heart burns to share his love with others i hope you enjoy listening all right it's recording it's telling me that it's recording so please god this is going to work. <laughs> okay. Leave it to the Holy Spirit. Yes.
1: Amen. Come on.
0: Yes. So what I'd like to start off with um, is how you'd like me to introduce you.
1: Um, just like you just like you had previously told me. Okay. Um, woman on fire okay. or I don't know, daughter yeah. of the king, <laughs> um, wife. I, yes. mean, I, I love being called daughter of the king. I, I love think. that. Daughter of the king. Absolutely. I think we all are. I think we're all our sons and daughters of the King. If We really want to focus on that. Definitely. St. Paul
0: reminds us in various places that we are adopted sons and daughters of Mm -hmm. the Most High King. So we have to remember that, definitely. So now that we've gotten that out of the way, I want to say, Susan, thank you so much for being here for this interview. And I'm really looking forward to folks learning a little bit more about you and who you are. So that being said,
1: would you share a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and where you grew up? Well, first of all, Lorna, I just want to say how incredibly humbled and honored I am to be asked by you to take part in your podcast. Um, I also want to obviously give thanks to God for nudging you in that direction, to really move the spirit in your heart to minister us all in new ways. And you're responding to that call. So um To answer your questions, um, first off, I'm a native of New York City, so I was the oldest of two kids born to parents who immigrated from southern China. When I was about five or six, our parents moved us down the east coast to the state of Virginia, which is where I spent the majority of my grown-up years in the city of Norfolk and then later on in Virginia Beach. I moved back up north to New England in 1996. And Boston has been my home ever since. So it's been like 24, 25 years. So it was around that time that I became a parishioner of uh, St. James the Greater Church, which is in downtown Boston, Boston's Chinatown. My parish has a really long and fascinating history. And it's also home to the largest Chinese Catholic population in the archdiocese. So at the parish, um, I'm involved in a number of things, but my chief role is to oversee the Faith Formation Program. And I'm also a catechist there. And currently, I'm helping to prepare a group of students for their confirmation next year. That's wonderful. And I've also been a longtime volunteer with St. Francis House in mm-hmm. Boston, mm-hmm. Um, almost 12 years. So a couple of times a year, I can be found in their kitchen, helping to prepare and serve lunch to the homeless. This year, during the pandemic, I started a Catholic blog, which is called Lost Sheep Found. I'm using it as a ministry to kind of evangelize and share my my ever-growing Catholic voice. And it's also been very therapeutic to write during this time of pandemic. It's been helping me to process the emotions during all of this unprecedented change. And of course, importantly, I'm a wife to Thomas of 21 years. Um, I have a teenager named Marissa And when I'm not serving the church and the community, I'm also a small business owner.
0: That's great. That's very full and sounds very busy as well. So being that you're a New Yorker and your family moved down to Virginia, can you share a little bit about what faith was like for you and your family?
1: Okay, well, so growing up, Religion was actually one of those topics my parents were not very open about. My dad in particular, was, um, he was very atheistic in his viewpoints. And my brother and I, we knew not to mess around with his thoughts. So we were kind of conditioned from a very early age not to challenge any of his views. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we might just end up getting a scolding. So I remember as a kid, rules and rigidity were paramount at our house. And in all honesty, I don't remember having had much freedom to openly express my thoughts and my opinions. So it was basically stifled. And in my conversion story in my blog, I sort of alluded to some of those challenges and the tug of war that I faced in those early years, but of course, without going through to specifics. So my parents told us some harrowing stories of escaping hardship in China, trying to bury the pain of loss and betrayal So to them, it was all about survival and relying on self-reliance, basically relying on themselves. So the thought of surrendering control over to a higher authority, in this case, God, it just didn't register with them. Mm -hmm. So despite what I was up against, as a kid, I was actually quite open and I was very receptive to anything. So uh, little did I know back then, God was kind of gently working through to me in his own way. But this also kind of sort of reminds me of today's gospel reading in Matthew about the genealogy of Jesus and how God was able to work with the imperfect, the sinful, the miserable people that were in Jesus' family tree. Every family has them. So God was doing the same for me. My parents discouraged religion, but I was the one who was open to it. So as a young girl, I used to spend lots of time at my parents' restaurant after school. And I remember the images of starving children in Africa that the humanitarian organization called Save the Children, they used to flash those images across the TV screen. And I remember those images of the sad faces, the the skin and bones, the hopelessness. And here I was, I was a well-fed child and yet on the TV screen, I could see on the other side of the world, kids were hungry. And they were without the basics. And looking at them, I came to develop a sense of compassion for others. Um, I came to understand what human suffering looked like, the plight of the poor and the forgotten. I came to see the face of the baby Jesus in those children, born in unsanitary conditions and as stable, his parents told there was no room for them at the inn. Mm -hmm. And then starting from there in the fourth grade, a, a classmate of mine gave me this tiny little Bible. And I probably had no idea what it was back then, but leafing through it kind of piqued my curiosity. But when you're about nine years old, you're mostly focused on school, playing with your friends, getting along, but, and religion was just like a foreign concept to me at the time. But you know, thank God I kept that Bible all these years and I'm just grateful for it, that I did. Then of course, the tumultuous teenage years came. And this was the 1980s and we had no internet, no YouTube, no Netflix in those days. And I was the kid who wasn't allowed to hang out at the mall and do all the fun kid stuff. Mm -hmm. But unlike my brother, I had my own TV in my bedroom and it was through television that I learned about God. So at the time, the late Reverend uh, Billy Graham and some of the popular televangelists at the time, they made their rounds on TV. Mm -hmm. So thanks be to God, because it was through their ministries that I learned about hope and a love greater than anything that I could imagine. So knowing that God existed obviously didn't make my problems go away. At this point, I was the only one in my family emerging as a believer. My parents and my brother, they were still very resistant, but I had no community and I had no group of friends that I could talk faith matters with. So I started to get curious about church and what kind of church to belong to. Then my parents made it very clear that they weren't driving me to church for worship services. So I couldn't go. But then came the day when I was old enough to drive a car. I was probably like late teens at that point. Mm -hmm. I I somehow mustered every ounce of courage on one Sunday morning and just left the house. I entered the local evangelical megachurch that was not too far from my house. And I was just blown away by that first church experience. I knew my dad was going to get angry when I got back home, but you know, somehow in my heart, I felt it was okay. God and I gave was you right. the courage. It was okay. It gave me the courage. I remember the atmosphere was so loud. People were everywhere. Hands were waving in the air, people speaking in tongues. And I was completely overwhelmed. Um, I never, I just never sensed that church could feel like that, you know, like on fire. But somehow I realized the Holy Spirit's strong presence that day. And the congregants were obviously on fire for the love of God. So I wanted what those people had, but I was hesitant. The problem was I was hesitant. I was just so hesitant to come home to that evangelical church. And the influence of my parents was just just too strong. So one could hardly blame me for that. After all, I was still living under their roof and their rules. But that day and met this young woman at that church. And she has such a profound, such a deep faith. But she sensed that I was very hesitant to join her church. Mm -hmm. But what touched me the most was that not long after our encounter, she sent me a card in the mail. And in the card, uh, she included the scripture passage from the Gospel of Matthew. Um, It said, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So that, that scripture passage really touched me. Um, I, I don't remember what I thought of it afterwards from there, but I, I definitely never forgot her. And even now, I think it's a call for all of us to kind of leave all of our cares, our worries, our needs, and leave it all into God's capable hands. So even though I never uh, returned to that church, that, that young woman, I never forgot her. She was trying to teach me something that day. Yeah, I think yeah.
0: the Holy Spirit was really def- definitely had a hand in that,
1: yes, especially with a, v- a
0: verse like this, um, because going in someplace where you know that once you step into this church and you go home and you tell your family that's where you've been. hmm. That's a worrying thing, because you're not only going to have disappointment, but it sounds like you would have had some censure, too.
1: And I remember going home, my, my dad was upset, because it was like, you know, where did you go? You didn't, you didn't tell me you were going to church. Mm-hmm. Um, but he didn't make much of a big deal out of it. And it kind of affirmed to me that it was going to be okay,
0: right.
1: it was going to be okay. I was just growing up, trying to find my my way. And he was uh, little by little learning to accept that. Right, right. Oh, he was let. He was letting his little girl go. Yeah,
0: and that's not an easy thing for parents. It's not.
1: It's not.
0: I think when parents are coming to this country as immigrants, and our growing up in this country is very different from what they know and what they've experienced, it's kind of scary for them to watch us navigate. Yep, it can be definitely fraught with a lot of misunderstanding and a lot of uh, disappointment and and fear sometimes Mm -hmm. so as you're beginning to discover faith in god learning more about god and i'm sure you're reading the beginning to read the bible and along this journey can you share a little bit um you talked about a couple of people who touched your life in particular ways one person giving you a bible and another person sent you a card with a beautiful verse about do not worry about tomorrow Was there anything else after that first experience of attending church that made you say, yes, I want to continue and I want to go back to church and and be more regular about it?
1: Well, to be perfectly honest with you, um, the answer would be no, Mm -hmm. because by then I was growing up, college was on the horizon. Mm -hmm. And throughout most of my college years and most of my young adult years, for that matter, Um, I actually stopped searching for God. I I just don't know why. I moved on from watching televangelism and life just got busier. I figured I would be fine on my own. And for the most part, I did. I was fine on my own. My life just revolved around finishing school, getting a job, moving out of the family nest and then moving on. Mm -hmm. So when I was finally free from the grips of my parents' rules and regulations, I was kind of relishing the stuff that I didn't get to enjoy much of as a kid. But of course, over this time of freedom, I just kind of sensed something just never felt right. Mm -hmm. I thought filling up the emptiness in my heart with the things that I kind of missed out on was enough. I thought getting that education, getting that award, getting that new outfit, making my parents proud, whatever, I thought that was enough. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, I found out I was never truly satisfied or fulfilled, whatever it was. I thought self-love was enough, but it actually turned out it wasn't love at all. It was selfish, at least from my point of view. I had no room in my heart for others. It was all about me. So in my blog, I described this time of emptiness, this longing and searching for a God, and just trying to desperately fill that hole in my heart, like a, quote, temporary band-aid for a lifetime of wounds, unquote. You see... Up until my young adult years, the only relationships I had known were built around strict rigidity and rules. And the one relationship I needed was the one with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because with him, there are no rules, no rules or rigidity, only everlasting peace and joy. With him, it's no longer about me, but others, you know, being with others and doing things for others and for his glory. I wanted that, and I knew he was trying to make a home in my heart, but I was that sheep that kept wandering off and who couldn't find her way home or was too afraid to ask for help. Right. So fast forward to the late 1990s, I moved to Boston. I was then introduced to the Catholic community at my current parish, Mm -hmm. St. James the Greater. So those first few encounters at the church, it left a really big impression on me. One parishioner in particular always came up to me with just the warmest smile on his face. Mm -hmm. He was always ready to shake my hands, offer me a warm welcome. And of course, no one at the church pressured me to join. No one pressured me to join the church or the community. It was like I was welcome to just come and see and just to allow to uh, let the Holy Spirit lead me wherever it wants to lead me. So it was through those encounters that I finally got the sense that God was finally showing me the way home, Mm -hmm. that this was where I finally belong. Mm -hmm. So it was there that I I accepted God's offer. I had then signed up for RCIA, like within a year after I moved up to Boston. And that's where I and and, and then I finally came home uh, to the church in Easter 1998.
0: That must have been an amazing Easter for you
1: it was momentous. Mm
0: -hmm. It was
1: very momentous. I don't remember what I was thinking. Um, I was just going through the motions. As you imagine, everything was just so new to me, but I just wanted to belong. Right. And, and, you know, it was just like, God was just rolling out that, that invisible carpet, like I said, in my blog, that, that little invisible carpet for my homecoming. Mm -hmm. And it was just the most amazing feeling.
0: Yeah. So. And and as you're saying this, and all I can think of is St. Augustine's quote that, you know, our hearts are restless until we truly rest in God. Absolutely. So all of this wandering, this searching and that need for something and not knowing what that is, and we try to fill it up with other things in our lives. But it sounds like coming into this community, this is where things began to turn around for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and you began to see that God is truly what we are to be in search of. Mm-hmm. And as you joined the community, and it sounds like you, it was very welcoming, and you began to experience what it was like to live out a life of faith. What did you begin to do in regards to attending mass, participating in parish life? What was that like for you?
1: Well, um, let's just say when I converted to Catholicism, I just immediately jumped right into serving, doing everything that people asked me to do. I was just like gung-ho, go and serve the Lord. Um, I started pouring all of my energy and doing to serving starting this group, organizing this, joining this committee, sitting into this. And before you knew, before I knew it, I was burnt out. Uh I was really burnt out, Um, but not just physically burnt out, but more like spiritually burnt out. So those early years as a new Catholic, there was just still a lot that I did not understand about the faith. And I think perhaps the most unfortunate mistake was that I never allowed myself the time to learn more about the faith. I mean, to really dive into the scripture to learn how to pray, but most especially building a relationship with Jesus. It was just that relationship piece that I neglected the most. Mm-hmm. So I end up paying very dearly for it. So from the time I became a Catholic up to about 2018. So that's like a span of 20 years. 20 years yeah. Imagine that. So I lived through what I call a period of spiritual blindness. I mean, I had eyes to see, yes, Mm -hmm. but they were so clouded by sin, Mm -hmm. by my own human weaknesses, by some unreconciled wounds from my past, that I just didn't know how to be let loose from the devil's grip. Mm -hmm. So as you can imagine, 20 years is a long time to be in that kind of a blindness, Mm -hmm. but it was precisely part of God's plan. But of course, at the time, I didn't know it. So within that span of time, life got busier for me, marriage happened, family juggles began, um, my business started, and despite all of that, church still remained a part of our weekly ritual. Mm -hmm. Then in a five-year span of time, God put me through a series of what I call major storms, Mm -hmm. um, three of them specifically, and I kind of detailed those in my blog. Um, Now, I've dealt with hard times before but nothing in my life experience ever prepared me for the major ones. Mm -hmm. While writing about them, it was very unbelievably freeing Mm -hmm. because for many years I was just too ashamed. I was just wallowing in in that shame. I just didn't wanna talk about it. And just the thought of telling anyone was, it was just like shame.
0: Mm -hmm. I don't want anyone to know about this, right? Yeah, Yeah,
1: but through the eyes of faith, I had come to accept that they, like all storms in life, they were all part of God's great plan to kind of draw me back to him, to open my eyes to encountering him. In fact, I call my blog Lost Sheep Found mostly because I saw my life reflected in that biblical parable that Jesus would go through great lengths to leave the other 99 sheep behind just to find the one lost one. And I was that lost one. So I'm sorry to digress on from that. But just uh, the fact that I chose that title, it it was speaking to me. I was that lost sheep. So in my blog, I write of my admission that for many long years, the only things that mattered to me more than anything in the world were my family and my work. And I believe, you know, a lot of people hearing this would probably agree to that, you know, family, work, family, work. My family was, of course, everything to me. My work outside of the church was also my source of pride and my identity. But where was God in this picture? I I was just not putting him first. And God knew it. And it didn't matter that I attended mass faithfully and I got my sacraments and all that. But my heart wasn't really there. That was the problem. And God knew it. God had been calling me all of these years to drop my nets and fish for him. But I was just not ready. I was just too busy. I was coming up with excuses, blah, blah, blah. So then came the first major cross that he allowed, which I talked about in my blog in 2013. I watched the company I started from scratch fall victim to a crime. A couple of years later in 2016, the second one, the second major cross, I went through an emotionally traumatizing theft. And within weeks of that, the sudden loss of a well-loved family member. And yet through all of those challenges, God never stopped presenting moments of grace Mm -hmm. that he wanted me to notice. For example, um, the forgiveness of loved ones, the non-judgment and compassion of friends, being spared from harm, from physical harm, and so much more. Mm -hmm. Not only that, 2016 was also the year of mercy. Yes. But it wasn't until the third major cross where God finally got through to me in a very big way. In spring of 2018, And again, I wrote wrote this in my blog. I kind of woke up to this really crippling uh, muscle pain just under my ribs. Mm. It was the most excruciating pain imaginable. Um, On the pain scale, it would have gone through the roof. So long story short, um, I still muscled through my, my daily morning walk. I was almost keeling over from the pain. And I ended up having this dialogue with God. It was like, all I could remember was him speaking through my heart. If you truly love me, then where is the trust? Do you not trust me enough to take care of everything in your life? You know, all of your cares, all of your needs, all of your worries. So those words that I, I, I heard in my heart, mm-hmm. they stopped me in my tracks. He just laid it out on me. It's like for too long, I put everyone, everything else in my life above him. Everything else was on my priority list but God. He gave me everything, my life, my work, my skills, my family, and I used them all selfishly for my own gain and not for building his kingdom. And I just needed to change. And I needed his help to start anew. It was that day that I surrendered um, my entire life over to Jesus, and I have not stopped working for his kingdom ever since.
0: You're listening to The Voices from the Pews podcast. We'll get back to your program shortly. But first, I want to tell you about Superblink.org. Superblink is the organization that edited this podcast, and my name is Byron Lee. My dream is to help as many people as possible get their voice heard. If you're considering putting together a podcast, but you're not sure where to begin, check us out. The website is superblink.org. That's S-U-P-E-R-B-L-I-N-K.org. Now let's get back to the interview with Susan Ho. You're listening to Voices from the Pews podcast. When we go through these hard times, we do have heart to hearts with God. And how do you feel this particular prayer, This this time of just meeting god in this moment of pain in this moment of i don't know what's going on here with my body lord what was what struck you as being a bit a little more deeper or different than those experiences of prayer and conversation with god before
1: i was just in a period of vulnerability and it was just like pain that i just had never felt before and i was just so tempted to run down the street to the nearest hospital and get the nurses to help me and, and all that. But yet something stopped me in the tracks. And it was just that voice from within my heart. And I guess being a person of faith, you kind of feel it. You feel that nudging in your conscience. It's like, wait, stop. I need to have a dialogue with you. And it was God. It was God. And this was like in broad daylight on the busy of, in, in the middle of a busy morning, trafficy day. And I was walking the street with my sunglasses on and I had tears in my eyes and I was like keeling over. I was like, Lord, what is happening here? I could have like stayed in bed all day and just sulk. But instead I was fighting through the pain and the agony. And I was just thinking, this is the agony that Jesus was going through in the garden, Mm -hmm. you know? He had to like pray it over. He had to talk it over. And I was going through that. I was going through that agony and I was like, God, help me. It's like, what had I done? What had I done? I I thought I was faithful to you. I thought I loved you. Mm -hmm. And yet I was going through this. And so all I could think of was, and and sensing that God was just leading me down that path of taking stock of what I had done in my life up to this point Mm -hmm. and um, repenting even openly repenting, Mm -hmm. right out in broad daylight, in the middle of traffic and, and, and stuff. And I didn't care if people were watching me, but it was just coming from a place of contrition, being remorseful, and acknowledging that, yes, Lord, I have put everything else above you. And I am deeply sorry for that. And it's time that I sought your help to change that. Right. I needed to put the past behind me and be a better person, be a newer person, all to help build your kingdom, to do whatever whatever it is that you asked me. I want to do it. And it was just no more about me, no more about me. And it's all about him. So I was just moved by that. Yeah. And the miraculous thing was that he answered. He answered in the form of every step that I took right after this little dialogue. I, I felt the pain just... Lessen. Mm-hmm. It, it was just it started to miraculously lessen, and i was just thought wow you know the lord is really he's working with me he's here i, I think mm-hmm. i think he understood that i was deeply deeply sorry this is more than just a confession this is out you know, i was just outright sick of myself and i i was ready to change And, of course, the rest of the story is, you know, when I got home and I had to put up something in my closet, and that's when I felt that zap Mm -hmm. go through in my uh, rib area. And that was when the moment the pain went away. And if you can imagine just that, that the feeling of being healed from that crippling pain, Mm -hmm. just is just no way to describe it. It was just, you know, it was at this point, it was like, yes, Lord, whatever it is, I'll do for you. If it's your will, I'll do it for I'll, I'll do whatever it is. Mm. And I just never forgot that. I just wish that I wrote down the exact date, the exact time that it happened. Right. But, you know, having gone through all of that, I was just overcome. Yeah. I was completely overcome. And, and at that point, there was no going back. Sure. There was just no going back. It had to be all for him.
0: I don't think it matters the date or the time, but I, I'm just so struck by your witness of how you unreservably said yes to him and said yes to trusting him and turning your life over to him.
1: I think at that point, I had had enough of uh, living a, a life of lies, at least um, thinking that I could be in control and be able to steer my own ship to do things the way I wanted to do. But to kind of surrender all the control over is very freeing. It's, it's about trusting that you know everything will be fine. That he will take care of all of my needs, and he has never failed. He has never failed. We just need to. I I just needed to approach everything from the eyes of faith. Really,
0: I think that's just an amazing witness. And today, you're still at Saint James the Greater, yeah, and you're you're serving as a catechist as well as the religious formation, and you're now accompanying a few young people um, as they prepare for the sacrament of-
1: I'm so proud of them.
0: What has that been like now within your faith journey of of accompanying them during this time?
1: This year um, with the pandemic, everything of course has changed. Uh, We have all resumed classes online and it's been a, a new arena for us, a new way of teaching- Um, I I admitted to my students that I'm, of course, naturally not comfortable, you know, being away from them physically, and I I miss being with them, but I I told my students that, you know, this is their last year of confirmation, and it's going to be a very important one. The reason why I said it was important is I started asking some deeper questions. them and it's not the stuff that's just coming out of their textbook where they had to learn information they had to memorize the 10 commandments they had to know the seven gifts of the holy spirit and blah 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 i started asking more deeper questions they were kind of like in line with what they were studying in class and so i started this year talking about holiness and diving into the lives of the saints and how as catholics we are all called to that universal call for holiness To live a life of passion and fire for the Lord and to do all that He asks and to take up our cross, to accept everything that comes our way. And sharing, you know, some of the lives of the the saints have been really eye opening for my kids. And I've noticed um, how, at least through the Zoom, our Zoom meetings, and I've noticed how they've started to be a little bit more quieter and a little bit more observant. And they asked more deeper questions than they did before. And they seem to express more like a genuine concern for their sense of eternity um, because we had been talking about that and how even on this, our second day of class, one of the things I remember telling my students, is like, um, you know, as a catechist, one of my jobs is to help you guys get to heaven one day. And my kids were like, what, really? whoa. And I I suspect that no one has ever told them that, that we were all destined for that final destination. And for young people, it's hard for them to grapple with the idea that there is life after their time on earth is over with. But um, it made them start thinking. And, you know, diving into the lives of the saints and um, how, you know, they live such extraordinarily holy lives, it gave them a sense of hope. That, you know, if they could do it, why can't I? You know, that kind of thinking.
0: Oh, that's great. This has been wonderful. And I'm so excited to hear your conversion story. It's just such a beautiful story of truly putting your life in God's hand and truly saying, I trust you. And thinking about that now, um, earlier on, you said that you hadn't taken time for prayer and you hadn't taken time. To learn more about your faith. And now, have you begun to see a difference in your prayer life as well as in your hunger for knowledge about God and the church and your faith?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, ever since my transformation, like two years ago, I've been I've been really diving deep. Mm-hmm. Really, really diving deep. These last two years has been about. Uh, searching, diving deeper into scripture and trying to understand, um, you know, all the passages. What is Jesus trying to teach me here? How can I grow more closer to him? And I've been also getting a a deeper understanding of uh, the Blessed Mother's uh, role in the salvation plan. And for many years, the Blessed Mother was always a mystery to me. It's hard for me to kind of grapple myself around that, that thought that the mother of god is a mystery to me but i spent these last two years just to kind of dive deeper into um you know her life and growing in uh my devotion to rosary practically every single day mm-hmm. and also um spending time studying the catechism that was like one book that i you know hardly touched in order to understand the faith i, I had to do whatever i took and then during, during the the fall of 2019 I took the plunge and signed up for the Archdiocese um, Certificate Program Mm -hmm. in Catholic Theology. Mm -hmm. And I was part of the first graduating class back in June. Mm -hmm. And during this time of pandemic um, has been a time of even more intense hunger. Um, When the the churches closed in mid-March, something in me kind of hungered more for Jesus in the Eucharist for some reason. Looking at um, the masses online, um, I realized all of these years I took the sacraments for granted. Shame on me. And and then the more I I watched the masses online, I realized that's where Jesus, that's where he is. He's right there. And the more I I watched, the more I hungered, the more I thirsted, and the more I, I just suffered so deeply inside that I, I just missed being there. Mm-hmm. Being um, in his presence, but then throughout this time of pandemic, God has really opened my eyes to seeing him everywhere, everywhere in my daily walk, in my daily encounters with people. Um, he would present signs to me that was just simply, you know, amazing, mm-hmm. just to show that he was truly present there.
0: Sounds like what C.S. Lewis would call signposts along the way you know, this year has been such an unusual year for us in this country, not being able to attend mass, you know, sort of like a lingering Lent, if you will. And then it became the simmering summer. What helped you? I know you're talking about those moments of the Lord just giving you these moments of hope and consolation. What else helped you to Feel that he was close by, even though we were going through difficult times.
1: when the churches closed, I went through a, a deep period of desolation mm-hmm. uh, a time of being in the desert, and I just didn 't know how to climb out of it. The word i 'm looking for is my own dark night at the soul
0: mm-hmm.
1: For me, it lasted for pretty much all of a month, but somehow um during this during the Lenten season, I realized my greatest hope was right there just pondering the crucifix, that was where my greatest hope lied, on the fact that Jesus had already paid the ultimate price on our behalf. He already carried our suffering. He already carried our pain, our hopelessness, and our despair in the cross. So when we affix our eyes on Jesus's passion, his death, and his resurrection, on his pierced wounds on that crucifix, we are reminded that we were worth dying for on that cross. So what helped was that by centering ourselves on him, at least for me, centering myself on him and on eternity, that helped me get through those moments of desolation Mm. rather than focusing just on ourselves and on the temporary pain and suffering Mm. that we are going through on earth. Another thing that gave me hope And like I had just mentioned, um, the inspirational lives of the holy saints. Actually, I just discovered uh, the power of the saints just this summer, just over this summer for the first time in all of my years as a Catholic, believe it or not. And the saints were just ordinary sinful people like you and I, but they lived extraordinary virtuous lives. And they were very courageous So over the summer at my parish, I came up with the idea of doing a vacation Bible school session with my uh, CCD students on Zoom, and the Holy Spirit inspired me to pursue a topic on holiness via the saints. And the long story short is um, one of my teachers did a presentation on St. Therese of Lisieux, Mm -hmm. and she, this saint, I instantly fell in love with I know that she's very popular and all that, but for years, I had only known her, but I didn't know too much about her. Right. But it was really the first time I, I really dove deep into her life mm-hmm. because there were some aspects to her personality that kind of resonated with me. Mm-hmm. And so thank God for that. Yeah. And the third thing is I'm inspired by the faith of other people. During these uncertain times, they would courageously step up. And they would keep proclaiming, they would keep witnessing, they would keep sharing, they would keep pressing forward for the good of his kingdom, for the salvation of all souls.
0: Yeah. And I think those are very important and very key to living out our faith in uncertain, difficult times. And as you say, it's not like there hasn't been uncertainty and difficulty in life but you know now we're living through our own particular time and you know and it's in these moments that we grow deeper in our faith and deeper in our love for god so i think what you say just absolutely resonates for me as well we need
1: to cling to him Mm -hmm, we do you know not just say not just say Um, yes, Lord, come, 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 but we need to really cling to him. We need to spend the time with him in prayer. Mm -hmm. We just need to give him just five minutes of undivided time.
0: Exactly. And it's hard these days, because no matter what, we are still distracted. Yep. And, you know, I think this is a time that as difficult as it is, it's time that we have to put aside those distractions and say, here I am, Lord. And as you say, just take that five minutes and show up. Mm -hmm. And just be with him. Um, We may not always be able to go physically to adoration, but there are still moments and ways for us to be able Mm -hmm. to spend time with him in prayer. And it makes a big difference. So, Susan, this has been an amazing time. And again, I want to say thank you for sharing your conversion story and your witness of faith. And, you know, I believe that this has been truly inspiring for all who are listening today. And I'd like you to share your website with us and tell us how to read your blog and, and, and read more about your story and your, your thoughts in regards to our faith.
1: Yeah. So my blog is found on lost sheep So it's lost sheep, um, It's a work in progress. And is very much managed by myself. And um, there are times I would write just whatever comes to mind at the moment. And I would just keep writing. And, and I love to share. Um, I, and I want to always share from my heart rather than worrying about, oh, is that word right? Or is that um, whatever is wrong, whatever it might be. I just want to be able to share from the depth of my heart in hopes that it inspires others to keep the faith, and um, be inspired to follow the Lord. Because he does do amazing things for us. If we allow him to, if we trust in him. And I look at myself as that example. It took me a long time. Yes. But I I feel like I'm in a better place. Because I learned to let go, let go of all of that control. This is great. Again, thank you for being on our
0: pod today. And folks, remember, you can go to lostsheetfound.com and you can read all about Susan's conversion and her faith journey. And it's very well written. And I'm sure you'll enjoy reading.
1: Thank you, Lorna. All right.
0: Thank you, Susan. God bless.
1: God bless.
0: I hope you've enjoyed listening to today's conversation with Susan Ho about her journey of faith and conversion. An essential part of our journey of discipleship is a constant call to conversion, to a deeper relationship with Jesus. He is always calling us, leading us to be with him forever, for all eternity. To read Susan's blog, where she shares from her heart, go to lostsheepfound.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and help spread the word. Voices from the Pews podcast is produced by Lorna DeRose, audio editing and post-production by Byron Lee, music composed and performed by André Lui, web hosting provided by beyond the brand for more information about the voices from the pews podcast go to voicesfromthepews.com thank you for listening until next time